in the slide, and I would have said, what? Just the three. Just the three, man. Uh, but that's okay. It couldn't have happened to a better guy. I was glad that worked out. <laughs> glad that worked out. Um, today, we continue our series talking about God's faithful presence, what it means to come into the presence of God and become God's presence to the world. And we're doing this because it's important that we understand uh, that there are different spheres in the world. And so we've talked about how uh, there is kind of this, this circle called the close circle. And this is the circle that we're in when we're at church and we're with other believers and we come together and we agree that Scripture is God's Word. And because we agree about that, we can have conversations about morality and truth and what God wants for our lives. Uh, when we go out into the world which is kind of the half circle, uh, there's a different kind of set of rules. Because we're with people who we say, hey, do you know what God in the Bible says about the way that you're living? And they say, I don't believe in your God and I'm not interested in your scriptures. And we're like, okay, let's start with Romans. And they're like, don't care, not interested. You've got to have a different foundation for the conversation when you're in the close circle of the world. But when you're in or the half circle of the world, but when you're in the close circle, you can say, listen, we got to talk about what the Bible says about this. The Bible is our foundation and it's our guide. The, the Spirit is going to move us as we work together to kind of figure this stuff out. We're connected to each other and hold each other accountable in certain ways. And then there's this kind of middle sphere, this middle circle. Um, in, the, in the middle circle, the dotted circle, it's where you as a Christian are host in the world. And we do this as a church and you do this as individuals. This is when people come to your house or where uh, maybe you're a coach of a sports team and you're like, hey, on our team, we do things this way. Or uh, you're uh, the host and you can say, in my house, we say a prayer before dinner. You don't go be a guest in someone else's house and when they start eating, go, <clears throat> in your house, you pray before you eat when I'm here. Okay, we don't do that. Different kind of spheres. And then as we understand those spheres and how we interact with, with our brothers and sisters in Christ and in our homes and in the world in different ways, and we have different ways of approaching people, the other thing that we need to know is that there are different spiritual disciplines that we as Christians engage in. And we've been going through this list from the Lord's Supper to uh, next, in a couple weeks, we're going to be talking about spending time with children. And this week we're talking about being with the least of these. One of the things Jesus teaches about in Scripture is, in Matthew 25, is this. I'm just going to read it to you, and then we'll talk about what he says. Jesus in Matthew 25, we're going to start in verse 34. Jesus is talking about the judgment day, and he says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry... And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You did it for me. 
And he uses this phrase, the least of these. Now, we're going to be talking about that today, but, but we need to talk about who the least of these is a little bit before we get into using this phrase. Because there's a couple different ways that the least of these are viewed. We need to first think about God's point of view. When God looks at the least of these, does God look at some people and say, oh, this is my group of people that are the most of these, and these are the ones that are the least of these? No. God doesn't give different values to different people. In God's eyes, the least of these and the greatest of these are equally made in His image. In God's eyes, every single human is made in His image and has equal value. Every single human, God has sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for. That's the price He's willing to pay for them. In God's eyes, there is no greatest and least. But in the world, we sort people out. In the world, some people are more visible, more famous, more well-known, more recognized. And other people are looked down on. Other people, the world says, are invisible, that they don't matter. And that is who Jesus is talking about when he says the least of these is the people that the world dishonors. Now, are they actually dishonored in God's eyes? No. no. But does the world look down on them? Yeah. 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 And who in cultures, in different cultures around the world, there may be different people who receive honor and different people that receive shame. And in your world, you may have different people that you trust and give honor to and different people that you have shame for. And so when you think about the least of these, what Jesus is saying is, listen, are there people in your world that you would choose to ignore if you could? That's your least of these. That's the ones that you believe that person deserves shame and dishonor and they should be embarrassed of themselves. The least of these. So when I say, when we talk about this today, as we kind of get through this lesson, we need to understand that it is not saying that in the church there are the greatest and the least. It is not saying in God's eyes there is the greatest and the least. It's not saying that poor people have less value in the kingdom of God than wealthy people, because there's plenty of scriptures that say just the opposite of that. But in the world where we live, this half circle, we need to understand that the world says there's some people that deserve to be ignored. And as the church, the people of Jesus, we need to get into the text and understand that God calls us to be different from the world that recognizes who the least of these is and need to become the people who say, we believe in what God says, that all people are made in His image and have great value. And it starts to change how we interact with people. And so you have texts like Hebrews chapter 13, uh, all of which was read for you earlier today, but we're just going to read the first three verses. <laughs> Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Isn't that an incredible thing? 
If you take these two passages that we've read, Matthew 25 and Hebrews 13, what, what we realize, if we're people of faith, people that are disciples of Jesus, is that when someone comes along who has great need and you minister to their needs and you serve them, and we usually get this backwards. What we think is we go and we help someone out, we give them something that they need, and, and what we do is we say, boy, I was Jesus to that person. Aren't they lucky to have me here today? But what these passages tell you is that Jesus is present in the moment of serving those who have a need, but he's present in the one who is served. Yeah. If you go to someone in prison, you're not being Jesus. You are being a disciple of Jesus, but, but Jesus shows up in the prisoner. When you go to someone who is sick and they're on their deathbed and, and much of the world has forgotten that they exist and you visit them, Jesus is in that bed. And in Hebrews, what it tells us is, is there are some people who in showing kindness and hospitality to strangers have entertained angels messengers of God have showed up and it's to see if we will be the kind of people that are kingdom people exactly. kingdom people serve the least of these yeah. the ones that the world says are invisible the kingdom says we see you God sees you you have incredible value Jesus tried over and over again to impress this on his uh, disciples and his apostles uh, on, on different occasions trying to show them uh, that it is the woman at the well, that it is the man who is possessed by demons, that it is the, the Gentile, it is the foreigner among us that is the one who needs to be loved and served and included. And they struggled to get it. He'd say, listen, if you want the kingdom, you need to become like this little child who is the least. Quit arguing about being the greatest. So towards the end of Jesus' ministry, on several occasions, they get into these arguments about which of them is the greatest. Because the disciples continue to view people through the lens of the world, which says that people need to be sorted. People need to be assigned a certain value. So in Luke chapter 22, we're going to start at verse 24. A dispute also arose among them. This is at the end. They've been traveling with Jesus for years. And an argument comes up among the disciples about who would be considered the greatest. And Jesus says to them, while they're in the middle of arguing, I'm the greatest. I'm Jesus' favorite. When he's gone, I'm taking over. I'm the one who has the most honor. You should be the servant. Jesus says this, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I, Jesus says, I am among you as one who serves you are those who have stood by me in my trials. And I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. They had to be confused with this teaching. Jesus is telling them, I'm going to give you a kingdom. I'm going to give you thrones. I'm going to set you up uh, to rule over people. And so they're like, awesome. 
Which one of us is, is going to get the biggest throne? Which one of us gets the throne that's the closest to King Jesus? Which one of us has the most authority? Who gets to tell who what to do and where to go? <clears throat> and they get in all these arguments, and they're having these arguments all the time, because the apostles live in a world where the more obedient you are to God, the more honor you have. And you can climb this ladder and look down on other people. And the Pharisees had rules all the time. And the Pharisees had rules like, if you observe the Sabbath better than other people, you get to go up a rung on the ladder. If you are more righteous than other people, you get to go up a rung on the ladder. Now, if you sin and fall short, you go down a rung on the ladder. It's this whole competitive self-righteous thing. And they would get up on their high rungs and look down on the people who were sinners. And in their time, they thought that people that were lame or blind were lame and blind and punished and poor because of their sins. And so the religious people would get up on their ladder and look down at the poor people and say, you're poor because God doesn't love you. And it's a tough world for Jesus to come to the apostles and say, listen, you need to become like the least. And they say, no, 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 we're becoming righteous and following you so that we can get up the ladder. So that we can get authority and power and honor and look down on all the sinners that are, are begging for stuff. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Haven't you watched me? I serve. I serve. I'm the one at the table who is serving other people. And on this occasion, this argument about who is the greatest happens right before, or right connected to, and, and a number of these arguments happens, connected to the Lord's Supper. And it's at the Lord's Supper that Jesus needs them to understand that the kingdom of God is not going to be people getting on the ladder to look down on the people beneath them. And so it was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And the evening meal was in progress and Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Jesus has all authority. I'm not going to get up here because I'm scared I'm going to fall. But Jesus is on the top rung. He's at the top of the ladder. All authority has been put under Jesus' feet because he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer garment, his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, if you go to someone's house in Jesus' day, you go in and the lowest servant does the foot washing as an act of hospitality. And if there are no servants, the youngest son does the foot washing as a sign of hospitality. But dad doesn't wash feet. The Lord of the house doesn't wash the feet. The king doesn't wash the feet. And Jesus, who has all authority placed on him and is on the top rung of the ladder, is about to go back to God, and he needs his disciples to understand the kingdom. And Peter says, Lord, I don't want you to wash my feet. That's not right, because I believe you're king. I believe you have the power. The king doesn't wash the feet. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. 
No, says Peter, you will never wash my feet. Because Peter is still sorting everybody out. Peter believes he's already a couple rungs up. And Jesus is right here. And the person who is above him on the ladder doesn't serve someone who's below them. That's the way of the world, Peter says. You can't wash my feet. And Jesus answers, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. You have no part with me. And what Jesus is saying is this. He says, if you're not willing to get down and wash feet, you can't be part of this kingdom. You can't get on the ladder and be a disciple of Jesus. And Peter's still trying to sort all this out. And Jesus is telling him, you have to sort it out or you cannot be part of the kingdom. And so Jesus teaches uh, Peter, he says, listen, those who have had the bath only need to wash their feet. Because Simon Peter says, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Wash all of me. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath only need to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. He's talking about the one who would betray him. He knew he was going to betray him. He knew that that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher, teachers on the ladder. You call me Lord on the ladder, and rightly so, for that is what I am. He says, I'm on the top rung. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So the church isn't about the latter. The church is about washing feet. And so if you're someone that wants the honor, you want to be exalted, you want to be pleased, you want to, to have all the attention on you, if you want all of those things so that you can be praised, you're doing it wrong. And Jesus demonstrates this by getting off of the top rung and washing Peter's feet and telling all of his disciples, you can't be part of my kingdom unless you're willing to stay off the ladder and get down and wash feet. That's what it means to be part of this kingdom. And the one who washes is the greatest. It's important in the kingdom of God that we be people who spend time with the least of these. And the world says we shouldn't. The world says don't look at invisible people. The world says look down on people that are different than you. The world says that there are some people who deserve to be the greatest of these and there are some people who deserve to be the least of these. And, and this morning, as we think about what that looks like, um, I, I, want to have, uh, I want to have Alton come up. Because if you've been at this church for more than about five minutes, what you know is that Alton has kingdom eyes. That, that Alton has been gifted with uh, recognizing that Christianity is not about the ladder, it's about washing feet. Now he got there by being at the bottom. You spent some time with people treating you like you didn't matter. 
And now you're at a place where you know that, you, that all people matter. And you do, in your ministry, you wash feet and you serve people and you love people and give all value to all people, right? Yes, that's right. All right. Now, I told Alton I would let him share about his ministry, so I have to stop talking and let you start talking. <laughs> so I'm going to step down, and I'm going to let Alton tell us a little bit about his passion, his ministry, Christ's ministry that's done in Alton with his being with uh, with people who the world sometimes consider to be the least of these. It may come source of joy to at least one of you, Perry, to know that I wrote a few notes for this morning on a napkin. <laughs> and it's not just a napkin. I Kenda told me I have 10 minutes. I may take 11. I just forgive me for that extra one. Six years ago, when God blessed us to start this ministry here, Arlette and I did just an approximate count the other evening. And we have probably in six years' time passed out 20,000 bagged meals like this because of the blessing of Brenda and the Hope Brown family, probably more like 40,000 donuts in that same time frame. Probably another 40,000 bottles of water so that as we, as always we, approach the women, the men and the women at the well, that we can offer them living water that will change all of their circumstances for all of their todays and all of their tomorrows. My favorite text has always been Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength but not just myself also I I say but I but I mean we weekly meet people that have no strength nothing to lean on nothing to hope for and each of them needs to hear that Christ is here to give them the strength to make it through all of their todays and all of their 
tomorrows. It's an, it's an assumption that we dare not make to assume that people know, people don't know. People have been cast down and walked on and stepped on and seen and still passed, passed by on the other side because people see them and they don't see them. They see them, but they, but they do not want to stop and help them, and we do. We want to come right where they are, pour oil and wine in the wounds, bring them to a place of healing to where they can be made whole again. They can be made whole. So every week before we start out, I say a prayer for all of them, and the prayer that I say is essentially 1 Peter 3.15 that says to sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be prepared at all times to give an answer for the hope that lies in you. So every time we, it's always we, go out, we're delivering hope. We're delivering not just a bowl of chili, a bottle of water, or a donut. We're, deli we're delivering hope to those that have none. Not just offering them a hand out, but a hand up in the name of the one who already put two hands up for all of us already. We're putting two hands out so they can have something, someone on their side when everyone else had abandoned them, left them on the side of the road, half dead, to bring them once again to a place of healing. Most of you know, without telling all of my story this morning, that I that I used to be a ministry leader with Celebrate Recovery, a 12-step recovery ministry. And the 12th step, in the 12th step, the 12th step says to take this message, to take this spiritual revelation that you have received and to try to share that with someone else. But what that becomes to me, knowing how far God has brought me from, is to take that message of hope, that epiphany when the light came on for me. It seemed dark. It just seemed that way at the time. When the light came on, it wasn't try. I had to. We have to take this good message of hope that we have already received and, and we're not sit on it 
but to take that same message of hope and to share it, to share it with someone else. So if your light has come on for you, I don't know what your light is. I don't know what God has delivered you from. I don't know what God has done for you specifically, but, but God has done something for all of us. And the requirement once that light comes on for you is to take that same message of reconciliation, of forgiveness, of being made whole, and to actively share that with someone else. So as we weekly go out, we are in the business of restoring hope again. We're in the business of just introducing the one that can make all of us whole to, someone, to people that don't have anything. People that I meet, that we meet, I say I, but I mean we. People that we meet every week that were abandoned when they turned 18. Sent out of the house with nothing. I don't know where you're going. You can't stay here. Sent out of the house without a job, with barely an education, nothing to lean on. And then, not surprised when some of our friends make poor choices when they have nothing to lean on, no one to, no one to stand in the gap with them and for them. People that have been impacted by generational, generational addictions just passed on from generation to generation. I, d I do this because my father did it. I'm addicted, I'm tormented by drugs and alcohol and poor choices because it's all I've known. And people will, can only do what they know until they learn something else. And the blessing that we have to offer them, that we shared in our Bible class this morning, is that Jesus knows where all these people are. He knows about all their addictions, all their compulsions, all their poor choices, and he loves them anyway. And he loves them anyway in spite of all of those, in spite of all of my, I can't talk about me, in spite of all of my sins, God loves me anyway. And God loves you anyway. And because you know that God loves you, and they don't. What we're called to is to share a measure of living water with all of them. And when they first start out, 
Some of them have no foundation, no faith foundation to stand on at all. But I'm holding in my hand, what is that? Five mustard seeds. I'm holding in my hand. You can't even see that. Five, five mustard seeds. Because Jesus said, that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, and if you let me add a little water to that mustard seed, it's going to grow to where the birds of the air are going to lodge in there, 30 and 60, 100 fold. So weekly, we go out and we plant seeds, as Kitchen has already shared, everywhere. <laughs> we, just, we just plant seeds everywhere because you never know. You don't know. You can't look at someone. You can't look at anyone and, 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 and say that they're going to see the word and, and, this, and this person is not. So we just share the word. Everywhere. It spreads everywhere up, up in Edmund, too. If some of you all didn't know, we have some of our friends in Edmund. Right out by the Cross Springs Mall, they're, they're, they're at Painter Memorial, and also they're by, I'm just pointing. I don't, I don't know where I am. And, 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 and up by the Lowe's, that's down, down a little further down by the Target, in the Home Depot, we have our friends everywhere, and we all need Jesus the same. The fact that the fact that I had on a suit, I took it off, and the person that I'm standing next to, or sitting next to, or praying next to, that they may not have shoes on their feet. They may not have clean clothes on their back. Doesn't take away from the fact that they need Jesus in the same way that you do. In the same way that I do. I can't use you. I can't use me. In the same way that I do. And God gives the increase. Because of your prayerful intervention up till now. They're right here in the midst of us at Northwest right now this morning. People that used to be alcoholic couldn't go a day, an hour without a drink. But now they know a brand new sobriety. They drink from the fountain of living water that Jesus offers them every day and they put all of the other Alcoholic beverages down and taking up this bottle of living water instead. There are people here in our audience right now that used to be like Rahab. We have children present. Like Rahab. They had, they had their houses in the wall and they would let people abuse 
his children first. Then people take advantage of them. But now they know a brand new love. They know what real love looks like now. They didn't know it before. Because you have prayed for them and you have invited them into this fellowship here. They know what real love looks like now. The people here, they used to have real issues with anger management in and out of jail because they couldn't keep their anger under control. But in the same way that Jesus said, peace be still to the calming storm, these same individuals have a peace and a calm in their lives that they have never known before. There are people that used to be addicted to sex and cocaine, both, both. He's passed on now. I, I hate to even mention his name, but God's spirit put it on me, so I will. A lot of you all don't know that Anthony Parker was HIV positive when he was here with us. But he didn't know the Lord then. He didn't know that being promiscuous and, and being addicted to cocaine would bring him down until the Lord brought him up. Set his feet on a rock to where he couldn't be moved to where after he let all of that go, it, it'd be hard to not find Anthony talking to, talking to everybody about what God had done for him. And for all of them, and for all of us, we should all be able to say that I was once lost. I was once lost without direction, without purpose, without meaning, without significance, without hope. But now, but now, Now I know God has a plan for me to give me hope in a future. That was 18. I'm sorry. How much is left on his napkin? <laughs> that much. That much. Yes. We need a way to, for them to tell people about God. You got to wait it for them to participate and go with you? I do have a way for them to do it. Tell them. I'm sorry, I went to you're good. I went long. Mark went long. We all went long today. We got eternity. That's right. He said it. You're all stuck.
And if you're here today, here's, here's the two things. If you're here today and you've been blessed by Jesus Christ and your life has been changed, go write a note to someone that is on the streets that needs your encouragement. You can draw a picture, whatever it is. One of the greatest napkins I ever received in a lunchbox was my mom drew a picture of Leonardo the Ninja Turtle. said, have a great day. Greatest lunchbox I've ever had. I don't even remember what I ate that day, but that sticks with me. Go write an encouragement note. Go write a blessing to someone. Go put a prayer on it for them. Uh, they're just right out here. We've got markers. We've got napkins. Um, you can do more than one if you want. Have, have at it. Um, be a blessing to someone. Be present to people that the world says are the least of these. Because the truth is that while you go to bless them, what you will almost always find is that Jesus shows up in the stranger that angels are there when you don't expect them, that the blessing is there for you if you'll just receive it by being present to others. This morning, if you need to respond to the gospel, the gospel that Jesus Christ died for you to save you from your sins, uh, if you need to respond to that or if you have any other need, come forward this morning as we stand and sing. Love one another, for love is of God. He who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God. God is love.
points. You don't need frequent flyer miles. You don't need a coupon for all this extra stuff. This is the one place you can come and in the same Sunday morning service hear two powerful messages delivered by two of God's messengers and a whole lot of extra holy scripture thrown in on top of it. We've truly been blessed this morning, and we're going to continue to be. Miss Earlene Wilmington wants to put on her Lord in baptism this morning. We're going to see her do that in just a little bit. Uh, if you want to go ahead and start preparing for that, and I'll move on to these other prayer requests. Travis asks that we pray for his safety, keep him safe from other people and from harm, and really what is a mean world out there. And we will honor that. Also, Michael asks that we pray for him as well, that he be blessed, and that he receive the help that he needs. We also want to remember Chad, who is in the corrections system. He will be awaiting discharge from Lexington later and move to another facility in, in the Department of Corrections. We also want to pray for uh, our sister Gail Russ, who because of her heart condition has to make some decisions soon. Whether